The following is a presentation of The Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at ConnectionChurchNC.com. Ever ever since we've added kids to our family, um, I mean... our life has just gotten louder. I mean, uh, like if I could, you know, define it in one word, loud is the, is the word. Uh, crazy is, is the word. It, um, it's, it's nuts, but, but it's also fun. Um, it's a ton of fun to, to watch, you know, my little, my little one and a half year old run around and, and sing songs and, and act crazy and fall down and come crying and, and just all those things. It's, it's fun. Um, parents in the room, Okay, if you are a parent, you, you already know this. If you're not a parent, um, think back to when you were a kid because I hope that you would remember this. But, but when you were a child, all right, or if you are a parent in the room, um, as, a, as a parent, I have a certain checklist that I want my children to get. I have a certain thing that I, that I want, certain things that I want to make sure that my kids know. And, and it's, it's different. All right, for, for both of my kiddos, I kind of have some, some different rules and, and checklists and things like that, but um, like, like for instance, I'm planning on teaching my daughter the art of the open-handed slap, all right? It's really important, all right? Females need to know that, all right? Guys encroach in their space, they open-handed slap, right? And um, um, I'm teaching my son all about proper hair care, all right? It's really important. Right, how to how to manage a, a good hairstyle. It's that's really important, right? How to maybe take a bath more than once in a week. Uh, as a guy, that's that's pretty important. Um, but but for real, I, I really do have a, a checklist of things that I want my my kids to know. Um, certain things that that I need them to understand about life and about people, uh, even about myself as their their dad. There's certain things that I want them to. Uh, to understand, like, like for instance, I was having this discussion with my daughter the other day. Um, she's five, and she had done something wrong, and and she came up to me and she was crying, and 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 um, my wife and I want her to understand that we love her no matter what. All right, that's the that's it. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what she's done. We love her no matter what. And and she did something wrong. She came up crying, and she's like, "Daddy, do you forgive me?" And she's you know that just precious five year old cry. And Daddy, do you forgive me? And I'm like, "Honey, of course I forgive you. All right. Not only do I forgive you, but but I love you. All right. I love you more than I can even explain. My mom. I mean, mommy and I love you so much. We can't even." Uh, explain it to you. We love you to pieces because you are the best daughter ever, right? I want her to know that regardless of what she does, regardless of who she is, regardless of anything, she is my daughter and I will always love her because she's my child. That's it. That's the defining factor. She is my child, therefore I love her. You see, I also believe that this is true about our relationship with God. I believe that that he has a certain checklist of things that he wants us to know about him, about this life, about interacting with others, things that he wants us to know, deep truths about the God that we serve, about the God that is our spiritual father. Now, 
Um, so, so kind of with that in mind, all right, we're finishing up Jonah, as you saw from the video. This is our last week in Jonah, and then we're moving into the summer blockbuster series, which is going to be awesome. Um, so if you have your Bibles today, go ahead and turn to, uh, to Jonah chapter 4, which based on the darkness of the room, you're not going to be able to see it anyway. Uh, it'll be up on the screen, and if you have your phone or your iPad or so on and so forth, take that thing out. Let's, uh, let's jump in to Jonah chapter 4, because I, I want to get into something today uh, that's, that's really, um, really interesting that I found. Now, um, just to kind of bring us up to speed, okay, we are uh, in Jonah chapter 3. God gives Jonah a second chance, says, go to Nineveh and tell them that they are messing up, all right? They're doing evil. They're, do, they're violent. They need to turn themselves around. And so Jonah does. He goes to Nineveh. He tells the people, and they decide that they don't want God to destroy them. Okay, and so they turn. They turn their hearts toward God. They repent, as the church word says. They, they pray to God. They fast. They turn from being evil and violent, and God does not destroy them. Okay, Jonah, get this, just witnessed hundreds of thousands of people turning toward God. All right? I don't want to call it a revival necessarily because I'm not so sure that they they totally understood what it meant to to just to you know to to turn toward God 100%. I think that they were turning to God for the threat of 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 uh the being destroyed and all that kind of stuff, but man, Jonah witnessed a massive shift in an entire city. All right? Today we would call that a miracle, right? And I and I want to look at Jonah chapter 4 and kind of see what he does. All right, watch this. Hundreds of thousands of people turning their hearts toward God, all right, praying, fasting, getting on their face, and it says this, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. The entire town of Nineveh turns toward God, and Jonah gets upset about it. Now, in, in the Hebrew language, all right, which this was originally written in, it says that Jonah did evil. That's when it says when it displeased him exceedingly, it means Jonah did evil and he became hot with anger, okay? Jonah got so mad at what happened because the city of Nineveh turned that it actually caused him to sin. God's decision to let Nineveh off the hook because they turned to him literally made Jonah so mad that he crossed the line of sin. It made him burn with anger. Did, did you hear that? Jonah got mad at God. He got mad at God because of God's judgment on those people. He did not like God's judgment. Now, just a side note, that word evil, when it said that Jonah did evil and he became hot with anger, the word evil is the same word that in chapter 1, God uses for the people of Nineveh. They're doing evil. They're violent people. And now, all of a sudden, Jonah is doing this exact same thing that the people of Nineveh are doing. So, so what does Jonah do, all right, with this anger? Um, by the way, um, I don't think that this is too terribly far off from us. 
I, I know um, there's been many times when God has allowed something in my life, like the death of a close friend or, or some crazy, ridiculous sinner that is doing his thing and acting nuts and whatever, and the guy's filthy rich, right? And I'm like, God, what? I mean, what are you doing? I, I just, I don't understand it. What's the deal, God? Why did you allow this? Why are you letting this happen? So what does Jonah do? It says in verse 2, it says he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? In other words, I told you so, God. That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. That's why I turned and ran the complete opposite direction because I knew that you are gracious. I knew that you're merciful. I knew that you were slow to anger, that you abound in steadfast love, and that you relent from disaster. In other words, Jonah is ticked off at God. All right, so mad that he actually goes to him to talk about this. Now, the good part, all right, is that Jonah actually prayed to God. That's what God wants us to do as our spiritual father. He wants us to come to him no matter what, all right, whether we're mad, whether we're happy, whether we're sad, God wants us to turn to him, okay? So that's the good part, all right? He wants us to do that. The bad part is look at the explanation that Jonah gives as to why he's upset. He says, you see, God, I knew it. You're gracious. You're merciful. You're loving, God. That's why I'm mad. (laughs) That's like me going to my wife and saying, hey, Sky, I'm going to cheat on you this week because you're too faithful. I'm going to cheat on you, and you know why? Because you're too faithful. You're too good of a mother to my kids. You're too good of a wife. Maybe if you'd run around on me a little bit, all right, maybe I I wouldn't, but I'm cheating on you because you are too faithful. You love me too much. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? And, and, And Jonah is upset because God is gracious, And then it says in verse 3, it says, Therefore, now, Jonah's talking to God again, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it's better for me to die than to live. Okay, this is is a a little extreme, right? Um, Why in the world is Jonah so upset because God didn't destroy a city full of sinners? Why is he so mad that it brings him to want to die? I mean, that's nuts. Like, when I read this, I'm like, what is going on? Just because he didn't destroy a city? So I want to answer that this morning. I want to talk about that. But before we get there, I just want to look at God's response. All right, let's look at what God says to Jonah in response to him being ticked off to the point of sin. All right, he's crossed that line. And I love this. Look at verse 4. It says, And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? In other words, God's saying to Jonah, is it right for you to get mad? Is it right for you to be mad at this to the point of sin? See, I know another guy that whenever you read through the Bible, whenever he was confronted with things like this, he always had this way of asking timely questions questions. He usually answered things by asking very timely questions. His name was Jesus. 
Jesus had this way of asking timely questions when people were trying to trap him or manipulate him or do things like that. And when I read this, I'm like, that's where Jesus got this from. (laughs) He got it from his dad, right? He was timely. He had the, the art of asking the right question at the right time. You see, isn't that just like God? Like, like when, I, when I know that, that I've done something wrong, when I know that I've crossed that line and I've screwed up and I'm mad about it, right, and I don't even want to talk to God or, or talk to my family or talk to people, I just want to go be by myself because I've done something and I'm, I'm ticked off about it, I'm angry. The best way to help me figure that out is not to condemn me, all right? It's not to judge me and say, hey, Brent, you're a screw-up, all right? Get over it. What are you doing, Dumbo, right? That's not, that's not the best way to, to, to do that. In order for me to figure something out, the best way to do that is to ask a timely question. God throws the ball back in Jonah's court, right? He's coming to God ticked off, and God says, hey, is it right for you to be so angry about this? He wants Jonah to figure this out on his own. You see, this is one small reason why God is a great dad. He's not a dictator, all right? He's not, he's not this, this person that just throws rules around and forces people to obey and makes them do what he wants them to do. You see, get this. God is full of love, and he's full of compassion for everyone. Everyone. Not just Jonah, not just Israel, everyone, including today, God is compassionate to everybody, even if they're crazy, evil, violent sinners. You see, God wants everybody to turn to him. No matter what they've done, no matter who they are, no matter what they're doing right now, God's desire is that every single one of us would turn to him. So, so the rest of this story of Jonah goes on to say that, that Jonah goes outside of the city, all right, and he's waiting to see what God does. Maybe God's going to change his mind and decide to destroy Nineveh anyway. So he's hanging out outside of the city uh, of Nineveh, and, and it gets really hot, and so God sends this plant, and this plant grows up in like a matter of seconds is what it sounds like to me. This plant just comes up and it's like awesome. And, and, and Jonah is so excited that this plant comes, right? And it's providing him shade and stuff like that. And then uh, the sun starts to get hot and, and God allows this worm to come and eat on this plant. And the plant gets, gets eaten and it gets hot and it withers. And all of a sudden this plant dies and goes away. And once again, Jonah's mad. He's, he's so angry that he wants to die again. All right, it makes him so mad to the point of death, and I love this. All right, look, jump, jump with me to verse 9. It says, but God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Or is it right for you, Jonah, to be mad that this plant is gone? Now, Jonah didn't answer the first time. He was smart enough to think about it. Then he decides to answer, and he says, yep, I sure do. It's right for me to be angry to this, because this plant died, angry enough for me to die. I want to die because this plant is gone. All right, does this make any sense at all? And the Lord said, you have compassion on this plant. You pity this plant 
which you did not labor. You didn't work for it. You didn't make it grow. This plant came up and went away in a day. And you have compassion on this plant. Should I not have compassion on a city that has over 120,000 people and cattle and children and all kinds of stuff going on and all the whole nation is like little children. They don't know their right from their left. They don't know what they're doing. Should I not have compassion on those who I've created that don't know what they're doing, Jonah? You see, let me tell you why I think Jonah is so upset during this story. Now, catch this. You see, Jonah isn't mad because he, he doesn't understand God's character. He gets it. All right, Jonah totally understands God's character. He clearly got that right. In verse 2, he calls him gracious. He calls him merciful. He calls God loving. Okay, so Jonah understands this. Where Jonah got off track is in who God gives grace and compassion to. You see, Jonah believed that that because God had this special covenantal relationship with the people of Israel, all right, like like that, that somehow his grace and compassion, his love was designated for them. See, they had this special relationship with God because that was the line that if you read through the Old Testament and get to the New Testament, that's the line that Jesus came through, all right, to get to earth. And so Jonah believes that all of God's good attributes were set aside for them, for the people of Israel, because they were special. And like a selfish kid, when you take a toy from a child and you give this toy to another child right beside them, they throw a tantrum, right? And Jonah gets mad. Because God takes some grace and some mercy and he gives it to somebody else. Not the people of Israel. He gives it to the crazy people. <laughs> and see, it's really easy for us to look at this and go, man, Jonah was messed up. I mean, Jonah was, was really messed up. But let's put ourselves in Jonah's shoes for a minute, all right? If you will, just just get into Jonah's shoes. Get into his mind for a second. All right, let me explain something to you this morning. Jonah is a Jew. All right, he's a part of the people of Israel. He's a prophet. He's God's mouthpiece to the people of Israel. He has grown up his entire life in the Jewish system. All right, and in the Jewish system, they had Ten Commandments, all right, a whole set of rules, ten of them that you have to follow. And then on top of that, they had 613 other rules that if you read through the book of Leviticus, you find all of this, these rules and these regulations and all this stuff that had become not just tradition, but had become rule. Like if you broke it, you were in trouble, okay? And, and so, so Jonah is trying to live by 613 rules. He's trying to live by 10 commandments. He's trying to do all of the right things, all right? And, 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 and he thinks that that he is God's chosen people because he does all of the right things. He thinks that God's grace and mercy, the people of Israel think that God's grace and mercy and compassion is on them 
It's reserved for them because they're trying their best to do everything right. And then God goes over to the bad people. The crazy sinners, the violent, the messed up, the one who starts fights, the one who smells bad, the ones who look weird, he goes to the people of Nineveh. And the moment that those crazy sinners turn their heart to God, they don't follow any rules. They didn't uh, adhere to any system. They didn't follow the Ten Commandments or the 613 rules. They just turn their heart to God, and God just, uh, just gives them grace. He just gives them compassion. He just washes his love over the people. They didn't clean up. They didn't do anything. <laughs> they just simply told God, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. And God gives Nineveh the same grace and the same mercy that he gave to, their, to his star child, Israel. You see, Jonah was mad because he felt like God was basically making a mockery of Israel's efforts at doing the right thing. That's why Jonah was so upset because he felt like God was mocking them because they were trying to follow the rules, because they were trying to be great at religious rule following. That's why Jonah felt like dying, because Jonah was saying, God, I thought that we got your grace and your mercy by following the rules. I thought that we were your special people. I thought that you had all this stuff reserved for us. And then you go to the crazy people, the dirty people, the lost people, and you give your grace to them? I don't get it, God. I might as well die. I mean, everything that I've been living for is all of a sudden turned upside down. It doesn't make sense. God? <laughs> you see, this is when God, the greatest dad ever, sees an opportunity to teach his children a very important lesson about this list of things that he wants his kids to know. You ready for this? Really simple. God is love. It's that simple. God is love. And because he is love... He has compassion for everyone. <laughs> doesn't matter if you're a star child. Doesn't matter if you're talented. Doesn't matter if you're awesome. Doesn't matter if you look good or if you're ugly. Doesn't matter if you smell good or you smell bad. God is love. Therefore, he has compassion for everyone. And guess what? Because he's compassionate, that compassion that God has, that empathy for each and every one of us, it drives God to freely give out His grace to anyone that will receive it. Dang. <laughs> Man, 
that is worth celebrating. Amen? God freely gives out his grace to anybody that will receive it. See, through this story of Jonah, God's trying to tell us that our behavior is not what is most important. It's not about what we do. God is more concerned with your attitude. He is more concerned with your values. He's more concerned with your heart's condition than he is by what looks like is going on on the outside. Because he looks at the heart of every single one of us. And all he's asking is that we would just turn and say, God, I just, I want you. Jonah was wrecked. I mean, at the end of the chapter four, it doesn't even tell what the conclusion is. I think that's intentional. Because you see, I think that God wants us to understand that he's already standing with arms wide open, grace and mercy and love full in his heart, waiting on his child to just turn to him. That's the God that we serve. And the moment that we start thinking that we get grace or mercy because of something that we did or something that we have to continue to do, that's when it cheapens the grace that God gives us. Now, I'm not saying that our behavior shouldn't change, all right? Because... Just like when when I began to really completely understand the love that my wife has for me, you think that makes me want to cheat? No. It makes me want to love her more. It makes me want to be more committed to her. And the moment that we understand that it's not about what we do, but it's just who we are, <laughs> that God is madly in love with, man, it has nothing to do with what we do. It should want and drive us to say, man, I'll give you whatever, God. (laughs) The moment that we turn is the moment that God comes running back. So, let me tell you the awesome part about this story. God loved Jonah the exact same amount as the people of Nineveh. The, the judgmental and the righteous and the one that thinks he has it all together, guess what? God's love and his grace and his compassion helped walk Jonah through this situation that he was in. The same as the people of Nineveh who were crazy that didn't know their right from their left. They're like little kids running around doing whatever they want. God's love and grace and mercy was on both of them. And that blows my mind because the same is true for us. Let me tell you the more awesome thing. All right, this wrecked me. 
In Hebrews 10, verse 14, what an amazing verse. As it says, For by one offering, Christ forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Man, I first read this, like, what does that even mean? <laughs> what it means is that whoever will turn, whoever, whether they're crazy religious trying to do all the right things or whether they don't know they're right from their left and they're running around just doing whatever, if anyone will turn to Jesus and say, God, I give you my life, I just, I just want you. Hebrews 10 promises that because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us, every single one of us is 100% perfect in the eyes of God. Huh. Man, that wrecked me this week. Because I know me, right? You know you. I know all of my imperfections. And when I think of the word perfect, I definitely don't look at me. I definitely don't see a picture of my face when I think of something perfect. But you know what? When God looks at those of us who are in Christ, He sees the absolute perfection of Jesus in each and every single one of us. Man, what a freeing thought, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. If your heart is turned to Him and you want Him to be the Lord of your life, then he, you are perfect in Jesus. And Jesus will enable you to become more holy. He will enable you to, to look more like God. Man, what an awesome thought this morning. If you would just bow your heads, close your eyes. I just want to kind of give you something to think on. Um, we're going to be singing a song here in just a minute. Songs talking about God's making all things new. <laughs> we are in process, friends. And in Christ, we can be completely perfect. So as we sing this song here in just a minute, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you stand in your relationship with Christ. I don't know if you need prayer for some upcoming decisions or, or if you're struggling with something, whatever it is, all right? This is your opportunity to come down, to be prayed for, to talk, all right? This is a big step, all right? It's a public statement to say, you know what? I'm not that good, and that's okay. Because you're in a room full of imperfect people who are being made perfect by Jesus Christ.